We're in the second week of Advent, and if you remember, Advent literally means the coming or the arrival of someone or something that's important. And so Advent is looking forward. We're obviously, we look back, Jesus came, that's why we celebrate Advent, but we're actually looking forward to the coming of Jesus again. We're looking forward to something good. And today we're going to talk about peace, and I want to read to you what Jesus says to his disciples on one of the last times that he talked to them, it's John 14, and it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Those are some pretty big words. That's a big promise, right? Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. And then do not be afraid. That's, that's a big ask. That's a big thing. But I, when I think about peace, unfortunately, I think way back to when I was a kid. Man, I think about how much peace I had. My parents took care of everything, right? And, and now we have all the things that we have to worry about. But man, when I think about my childhood, I had a great childhood. My, the only thing that ruined my peace was my brothers. They were always wrecking my peace. And having two older brothers, I always had to find some place to go to get away from them. And, and I used to dream about places that I could go and have peace from them where they wouldn't find me. And I, I found this place that we had these backyards with these chain link fences and in between every yard there was an alleyway that went down through the back backyards and so our fence ended and this fence ended and there's this pathway and there was all these overgrown bushes back there and I found this place I took my parents clippers and I clipped out this little place in, in this bush that I could crawl back in there even got pieces of scrap carpet and put it back there and I would go back there and I would just sit in there because that's where I had peace and I remember one morning waking up and my brothers were already causing all kinds of issues. Someday you'll get to meet my brothers and you can, you can understand what I understand. But they were causing me issues and, and I started to think about my, my place. And then I remembered something. I had just been given a quarter the day before. And I started thinking, if I could find a penny to go with my quarter, I could walk down to C&W Market and I could get a pop. Now, for you California people, a pop is a soda, okay? But we, but we call it a pop. And I wanted to go, because at C&W Market, this gigantic grocery store that was probably about as big as the sanctuary, that was it. And like three or four aisles, but you could go there, and, and the, the pop cost a quarter, and then you had tax, so they needed 26 cents. So I looked all over the house, I found a penny, and I had my quarter and my penny, and man, this dream was just growing in my mind. And I was just a little guy, but I was thinking, I'm going to go get this pop, and I'm going to come back, and then I started thinking, well, I wonder what kind of pop I'm going to get, because they'd just come out with cherry Coke. And, oh, I loved cherry Coke, but I could also get a Bart's Root Beer or a, a Orange Crush, which I love those too. So I was trying to decide, but whatever one I got, I was going to bring it back. I was going to go in my alley. I was going to crawl back in my bush, and I was going to drink my pop in peace. It was going to be the best day ever. So I had my quarter, I had my penny, and I'm walking down the street on my way to C&W Market, and I dropped my quarter. And I'm on the sidewalk, and no big deal. I'd actually dropped it a couple times before that. I was distracted. But I'm walking, I dropped my quarter, and it bounced into the yard, and I went down, and I started looking. I mean, it couldn't have been an area this big. I watched it bounce into the yard, and I start looking, and I can't find my quarter. And pretty soon, panic starts to come over me. I mean, I'm getting ready to get a pop and go back in this peaceful place, and now my quarter's gone. 
And so I'm crawling on the ground just anxiously looking for my quarter. And I don't know how it disappeared in that grass, but it was just gone. And, and in my anxiousness, I thought, I've got to go back to the house. I've got, to, I've got to find another quarter. I've got to do something. I ran back to the house. I couldn't find another quarter. And I went back to the yard. And I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave until I find it. And I don't know how long I was there on my hands and knees digging in this front yard. For all I know, that quarter is still there because I never found it. I mean, I, for, for years, I'd drive by that house or walk by the house and think, my quarter is there somewhere. But I'm talking about it ruined my peace. I mean, I had the best day planned out. And how often do we do that in our lives, right? We, we have this, this picture of what's going to happen today or what's going to happen this next year, and it's all going to be so good, and then, boom, you lose your quarter. You, you, something happens, sickness happens, whatever, and all of a sudden our peace is taken away. And, and, and we read this verse where Jesus tells us, I'm going to leave you with peace. I'm, I'm going to give you this peace, and it's, it's a promise. And yet we live in a world where, man, our peace is taken so easily, isn't it? If we define peace the way that we define peace, it's freedom from disturbance or noise. It's harmony. Or tranquility. It's a time of no war. And you have to ask yourselves, <laughs> how many times do you have freedom from disturbance? There's no noise. Just at the end of that song, as we sat in silence, we were all probably a little bit nervous because it's very rare that we have no noise, right? And if you live like, like I do, it's somewhere in the city, there's always noise. You always hear traffic. You always hear airplanes. You always hear neighbors. There's always something. And yet, we do have moments of peace, but they disappear pretty quickly. And yet here Jesus says again to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The verse just before that, Jesus actually promised his disciples the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is literally the Spirit of God living inside of us. And so he makes this promise that I'm going to give you this, this Spirit that's literally going to live inside of you. And then he promises them peace. And he says, I don't give like the world gives. So there's something different about this peace. There's something that maybe we don't quite grasp in the world we live in. And then he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And honestly, you look through this and you go, really? <laughs> when are we going to get this peace? When are our hearts not going to be troubled? When are we going to not be afraid? Because honestly, fear, I think fear steals our peace more than anything else in the world we live in. If you're like me, when I wake up in the middle of the night, all of a sudden I'm afraid of everything. It could be the dumbest thing on earth. But, but all of a sudden I'm afraid of everything I did the day before or didn't do or it comes back and I'm, I'm like fearful. Or it's what's coming the next day and you're, you're afraid. And something about the darkness in the night, it's, it grips us. We think, man, so often fear steals our peace. Now, just a couple chapters after Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to give you this peace. I'm going to leave it with you. He says this again to his disciples. He promises them that they're going to have all kinds of trials. <laughs> and then he says, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. 
Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. You have to go, seriously, Jesus? So you're telling us we're going to have trials. We're going to have sorrows. We're going to have persecution. But you want us to have peace in the midst of it. Is that possible? Is it, is it realistic? My wife, Lisa, tells a story when she was little. And she was with her family. They went to Lake Promona. It's in Kansas. It's a lake. And if you saw it, you'd probably think it was a pond. But it is actually a lake. And it's what we thought was a big lake. And, and they would go there every year. And they would have a, a big family. All extended family would come. And they would, they would picnic at Lake Pomona. And they would sit out on the picnic tables. And it was just fun time. She always looked forward to it. And on Lake Pomona, they had a dinner boat. It was a, not a big dinner boat. But it was a dinner boat. And... Every so often, people would buy tickets, and they would get on the dinner boat, and it would sail out to the middle of the lake, even though you could still see all the shore. But they would be out in the middle of the lake, and they would have dinner out there, and that was their, their dinner boat on Lake Pomona. And Lisa looked forward to it every year, but this year, while they're there, she just remembers that the wind, now when you're in Kansas, the wind doesn't stop blowing, but it was blowing the, the plates off the table. They couldn't keep anything on the table. It was just a mess. And then all of a sudden, it went from kind of a sunny but windy day to all of a sudden a storm. I mean, this storm just pops up out of nowhere. And if you've ever been in the Midwest, that's kind of what happens. And this storm pop up, pops up, and then all of a sudden, in the midst of a storm, is a tornado. And no one predicted it. It was just all of a sudden in this tornado is going across the lake. And so it's this, this thin little cloud. And I've seen pictures of that because it's a famous tornado. And people still talk about it years later. And that tornado came across the lake. And there Lisa is with her family and extended family watching the tornado. And it hits the dinner boat, which is called the whippoorwill. It hits that dinner boat, turns it almost all the way upside down. It comes back up. Tornado does, does a 180, comes back and hits it again and turns it all the way upside down, leaving over half of the people on the boat dead. They, they, they died. They drowned. And here Lisa and her family, this fun picnic day, all of a sudden turned into this horrible event and and they're watching all the chaos happen and they're watching the medical crews come and and Lisa looks up to her dad and she remembers holding his hand now Lisa's dad Jerry my father-in-law is a great man but if you're looking for someone that's going to give you some positive encouraging news don't ask him okay <laughs> he's not going to say he is Eeyore in the flesh that, that's who he is <laughs> And so little, little tiny seven-year-old Lisa looks up to her dad and goes, Dad, shouldn't we run for shelter? And he goes, oh, honey, it's too late now. <laughs> so, so, nothing like encouragement, right? Right in the middle of the storm. And we laugh about that. We, we still do, even though it was a horrible event that day. Lisa remembers way more details than, than, than I'm even telling you, but... But we laugh about what her dad said. But this week I was thinking about what he said to her. And I was thinking, that's almost what Jesus tells his disciples, isn't it? It's like, hey, you're going to have peace. Oh, but, but man, it's not going to be good. You're going to have trials. You're going to have sorrows. You're going you're to have all these things. He's going to say this. He's basically telling his disciples the world's a mess. <laughs> and, and so he tells them, you will never have peace on earth. 
That's not a very positive thing. That's exactly what my father-in-law would tell you. There's no, you're not going to have any peace. But then he says, but I want you to have peace. I, I want to give you peace. And now, I, I don't understand this because we look at it and we go, well, peace the way we understand it, you're telling us we can't have. But then you're telling us we're supposed to have peace. He promised us peace. And, and so the famous Christmas, Christmas passage, Isaiah, written some 700 years before Jesus was on earth, tells us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This is what it says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. (laughs) Now, I want the peace the way we define it, right? I want freedom from disturbance. I want tranquility. I don't want there to be war. I, I want that kind of peace, And yet, ever since Jesus came, who's the Prince of Peace, we've had war. We've had unrest. You look at the first Christmas, and again, the Prince of Peace, there's peace on earth is coming. You have these these shepherds standing in the field at night, and all of a sudden an angel shows up to them, and they're, they're terrified. But these angels, they sing to him. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth. Those with whom. So here, these shepherds, their, their, their peace in the middle of the night is disturbed by these angels. And again, they're promised there's going to be peace on earth. We're, we're told that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. <laughs> Just before that happened, the shepherds are out there, and an angel shows up. Now, I'm just going to say I'd be terrified <laughs> if, I was, if I was in the darkness at night doing my job and all of a sudden an angel shows up. And they were. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for the, for, for the people today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. They were terrified. And the angel says to them, do not be afraid. And what's interesting is that is one of the most commonly uttered phrases in all of the Bible. Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. And yet fear is what steals or peace. But Jesus, I feel like, he's the prince of peace. He brings peace to earth, but there was a different peace about Jesus. There was something different about him that maybe we don't quite grasp. And if you look at when him and his disciples, they get on a boat and they're crossing over a lake. And I think of the whippoorwill and that tornado. And, and you, they're crossing the lake and Jesus is sleeping on the boat when the storm comes up. And you think about it. That little skinny tornado killed people on a lake. You can imagine that that storm on that lake, and the disciples are rightly so. They are terrified. And in the midst of their terror because of this storm, as water is splashing into the boat, Jesus is sleeping. And you have to look at that and go, how is he sleeping? I mean, is there something different going on in Jesus that we don't quite grasp? Because then the disciples, they wake him up. 
And they said, Jesus, we're going to die. What are you doing? And Jesus stands up and he calms the storm. He, he literally gives them external peace. But then he scolds them. And I've never understood the scolding because I'm thinking, they have every right to be afraid. But the scolding is, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? You're missing something that I have. You're missing something that I want to give you, and it's peace. And then you look towards the end of Jesus' life, and in fact, the last meal he has with his disciples. They're sitting around. Jesus knows everything that's going to happen to him. He knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be beaten. He knows he's going to be hung on a cross and he's going to die there. He knows all that that's coming. And when he leaves dinner with his disciples, he takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he asks them to pray with him. And we know that Jesus was praying to have that removed. God, please don't make me suffer like this. I don't want to suffer like this. But every time he says, God, take this away, he follows it with the phrase, but your will, not mine. And so he prays for hours. His disciples are asleep. Finally, he goes and he wakes them up. And, and I just have this picture. As Jesus is leaving the garden with his disciples, he tells them, he goes, it's time. It's time. And he's not excited. He's no longer crying or sweating it's like he just knows what's coming and he's at peace with it and as he walks out of the garden he walks straight to a detachment of soldiers that has come to arrest him and there's there's no upset there's just this peace about him even when Peter steps in and tries to kill one of the soldiers and cuts off his ear Jesus rebukes him and goes what are you doing that's not going to solve your problems you killing them is not going to give you peace. And he heals the man's ear. There's this, this peace as he's arrested. There's this peace as he's tried, as he's beaten, as he's hung on the cross. There's no anger. There's this peace. And you have to go, what did he have? What did Jesus have that we seem to be missing today? You see, the Old Testament word for peace, the Hebrew word for peace is called shalom. And you've probably heard it. Jewish people greet each other with the word shalom. And they're literally saying, do you have peace? And that word shalom is different from our word peace. In fact, shalom is bigger. It's better. And I believe that Jesus brought shalom to earth. I believe Jesus had shalom. And it's different. It's better. It's actually complete it involves, shalom involves a wholeness or a completeness that, that's hard for us to fathom. If you just picture a circle that doesn't have an end, it's, it's all connected. It's this wholeness that we have. Uh, probably one of the best definitions of shalom compared to our word peace is this. If you have two countries at war, and these two countries at some point decide, you know, enough is enough. We're gonna, one of us is going to surrender, and we are going to make terms of peace and so these two countries, they quit firing at each other. They, they make peace. They sign treaties. And, but they're, they're still enemies. They're still against each other. They're just not at war. But if two countries are at war and they make shalom, everything is different. Those two countries literally merge together. 
Their enemies become each other's enemies. They are for each other. They fight with each other. You see, shalom is this completeness. It creates a wholeness. Peace is just a temporary thing. Shalom is a whole and complete thing. And often shalom is about relationships. If you have shalom in your relationships, you have peace. If you have shalom, if you have a relationship with creator God, guess what? Then you can have a relationship with others. You can have a relationship with yourself. You can be okay with you. And when you have that, that wholeness, the shalom with God and with others and with yourself, that's, now that's peace. It's something sometimes hard for us to imagine. But shalom is taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness. We can have shalom even in a world without peace. That's what Jesus is saying when he tells his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. This is a different kind of peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You remember that promise, the power of the Holy Spirit. To me, that's one of the greatest things that we can even think about. The Jewish people say that we have a spark of God within us. He created us in his image. We've got this, this divine spark. We literally have the spirit inside of us. And if we have the spirit inside of us, that's, that's where shalom is. You see, shalom is found in us, not around us. And so the question is, do you, do you have shalom? Does shalom rule your heart? And where does it begin? It begins with the relationship with Jesus the Son of God, he, he gives us this start of shalom. Just think about it. When you, in, when you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and you, you are literally inviting the shalom of Jesus into your heart. <laughs> and that is the beginning of this, this growth, this process of having peace, of having shalom. You see... The world we live in will never have peace. That wasn't the promise that we had. The Prince of Peace, the one that would bring peace to earth, was not that, hey, the world's going to be at peace. It was like, you will be capable of peace among the world of chaos. In 1914, one of the most amazing things happened right in the middle of World War I. And in the middle of World War I, Christmas Eve is happening. The English and the Germans are at war. They're literally dug into their trenches. Imagine the cold and the wet. There's mud, and they are miserable, but it's war. It's one of the, at that point, the worst thing that's ever happened to the world, one of the biggest wars ever, and here they are in the midst of it. And these English soldiers down in their trenches begin to hear something. And as they, as they listen, they realize that they're singing. But it's in German. And someone begins to say, That's, those are Christmas carols. <laughs> the German soldiers on the other side of no man's land where all the fighting has happened was singing Christmas carols. And then the Germans started across no man's land and started to invite the English to come join them. And so in the midst of the battle in 1914, the English and the Germans climb out of their trenches 
And they exchange cigarettes and wine. They begin to play soccer games. They sing together. And for a few hours in the middle of one of the worst wars of all time, there's peace. I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, that, I look at that and I go, that's where you can go, wow, Jesus brought peace. But I think probably the most disturbing part about that story is a few hours later, they were fighting again. A few hours later, it started all up again. And you see, the problem with the peace, the way we define it, is you can't hang on to it. <laughs> we can find moments of peace, but then we have politics, and we have war, and we have traffic, and we have crowds, and we have the news that's always reminding us that we'll never have peace, and we have phones that always, always interrupt us. But yet Jesus gives us shalom. He gives us peace right in the midst of the chaos. When I think about World War I and that, that moment, I think of what John says at the beginning of John chapter 1, talking about Jesus coming to earth. He literally says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. But just think about that. In the midst of that war, all of a sudden there's this light that comes in. Right in the middle of the darkness, there's this light. Except the light that Jesus brings can never be extinguished. The shalom he brings is forever. That shalom is, is for now and forever. I just want to take just a few moments and just in your own thoughts, just with your heads bowed, just think about where you are. What's that mean to you? Do you need shalom? Do you need that to rule your hearts? Let's just be quiet for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, just in the midst of this quiet, I pray that you would help us to experience your peace, the peace that you promise to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would just meet us right where we are, that you would show us your peace, your shalom, and in the midst of the craziness of this Christmas season coming up, I pray, Lord, that we would experience just that. Your peace, your hope, your joy, your love. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Peace be with you, and I hope you have a great week.